Liam Burbridge, after losing his leg in a motorbike accident, has somehow found a way to overcome his disability and represent England in the Amputee World Cup. Originally discovered on TikTok, Liam was scouted by the football team and has now become a source of inspiration for amputees all over the world. It is our pleasure to introduce this extraordinary amputee footballer, Liam Burbridge. Hey Liam, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. So good to see you. What time is it where you are? Because I, it, we haven't even hit lunchtime here yet. What time is it, and uh, and what part of England are you in right now? So I'm in the northwest of England, um, a little town outside of Liverpool. Might be the most famous place closest to me, but it's just gone five thirty p.m. in the evening. Five thirty p.m. and was I reading correct that you are a father as well? Yeah, so um, me and my partner, we've got three children. Oh, three children. And what are the ages? So she's got a 13-year-old who she already had when we met. So even though I'm not actually his dad, you know, we live as a family and I carry out the role of his dad. And then together we've got a little girl who's 10 this year and a little boy who's just turned eight. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're very much a father. Very immersed yeah. in in parenthood, let's say. That's uh, yeah, that's wonderful. We, yeah, we have a, a funny relationship, really, because my partner is actually a teacher. So she's a teacher in a college, and she works long hours where uh, my work is part time work. So I work while the children are at school. So you know, stereotypically, it's the mum who does all the school runs and everything. But in our house, it's me and she does the long hours thankfully like well that's no that's hey these these roles that we play in the family dynamic i find in my own life especially um these tend to be um evolving and changing in modern times and you know i think it's beautiful when you can spend your life with someone and support each other in the right way so that we can achieve our goals, whether that's in relationship or, um, you know, uh, professionally. Uh, and no, it's it's that's fantastic, and and good to hear that you guys are in your groove, and um, loving each other in that way. Your story, for people that don't know who you are, is is pretty remarkable the set of circumstances that brought you to being an amputee footballer. I mean, very often, you know, people will have sort of a very, very deep sort of athletic history um, and sort of transition from, let's say, one sort of professional career as an athlete and then just, you know, kind of go right into something else yeah. as an amputee. Your your story is is really fascinating to me in that you seem to excel more so after becoming an amputee. Um, am I reading that right? Uh, how much yeah. uh, football did you actually participate in before you became an amputee? So before I became an amputee, I, I did actually play football all my life, really, but not to any high level at all, only 
school level sort of thing, you know, um, recreationally on a Sunday for teams as I was growing up and stuff. You know, I'd I'd always had always had a passion for football, but I never really played at any level. And the the situation I'm in now, um, I ne- I never thought I'd be in. You know, playing for England and stuff. It was always something that I would dreamed of, but just being entirely honest, it wasn't something that I was even close to achieving before my amputation. Yeah. And the circumstances that surround you being recruited as an amputee player are pretty remarkable as well. I mean, we all engage social media in in different regards. You made a conscious decision to share some of your experiences as, as an amputee through TikTok and posted some videos of yourself uh, sort of sort of noodling around, let's say, as an amputee. Yeah, yeah. And someone, someone, you got someone's attention and that person, um, and I'll, I'll let you explain the story in more detail, but that person reached out to you and said, you know, I, I, I think we'd like to to have you come out and get involved in amputee uh, football, and you know, for for our our ignorant American audience, <laughs> we call it soccer here. I've, um, I've actually before, before <laughs> this conversation, I've actually been thinking about we call it football and you call it soccer. <laughs> So I have a lot of friends in the soccer community, coaches, people that, you know, play. And and I even have a very, very close friend, uh, a guy named John Miller, who who is very involved in in soccer programs uh, here locally in the Chicagoland area. And I know he's going to be riveted by your story and what you're doing with your life in that regard. But uh, if you could kind of walk through the sequence of events that occurred in you being recruited to um, what ended up being uh, in the Amputee World Cup. Yeah, so it kind of started with uh, coronavirus, basically. And whilst we're on different sides of the world, I'd imagine us to have had similar experiences with coronavirus. You know, people couldn't go to work and... You know, in the UK, we had a national lockdown and everybody had to stay at home and you was almost bound to your home and your back garden and that sort of thing. So, as I mentioned, I'd always had a passion for football and uh, coronavirus, I don't know why, but coronavirus kind of made me realise that I wanted to start playing football again because I'd been an amputee for eight years at this time and I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about trying to play football again. So what I did is I've always shared my story and my experiences of being an amputee on Facebook and Instagram to friends and family and that sort of thing. But TikTok was kind of taking off because, as I said, everyone was at home, you know, making videos. And so I kind of just started messing about in my back garden, playing football with my prosthetic leg on at the time. And at this time, I didn't know amputee football was even a thing and now I know that amputee football is played on crutches and you're not allowed to use prosthetic legs so at this time I was just messing about with my leg on and stuff making these videos and 
my hope at the time was to try and get involved with a football team again, playing with my leg on, because as I mentioned, I didn't know that there was this whole division of specifically amputee football. And one of the players who, uh, like I said, I, I live about 15 miles from the city of Liverpool and Liverpool's got two massive football clubs, Liverpool and Everton. And one of the players for Everton amputee football team, uh, his name's Jamie Orkey, he's, uh, he's a really good young lad. Like, And he just sent me a message on TikTok and was like, "And I know you don't know who I am, but why don't you come and try amputee football with us? So I, I, I did. I kind of jumped at the chance like, and I went. I played on, it was just training and I played on my prosthetic leg for the first time. And once I realised that amputee football is played on crutches and you're not allowed to use legs, um, once I realised that if if I wanted to take this further and I wanted to play for England, then, you know, I'd, I'd have to transition onto crutches then. So the first time I went and played on my leg, but since then I've I've been playing on crutches and I've not looked back, might, to be honest. Not to stop your momentum, my guess is, so you go out to this tryout and being a, an amputee myself and, and wearing a prosthetic limb, I am going to, I'm, I'm going to theorize that you went out there and you ran around like gangbusters on your leg. And yeah. I'm even going to go a step further and say, you really messed up your leg that day. Um, yeah, I did. Because yeah. <laughs> it was it, I... it was kind of like once once the, the first time I played on my leg, um, it kind of took me back to my younger years and I, I, I felt a freedom that I hadn't felt in. Probably forgot you were an amputee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I was just running around like crazy, and all the bottom of my stump all blistered the next day, and everything. So, yep, yeah. So, so I would think that departure from the everyday, having that rush of of youth, and thinking, you know, I can do this. Um, explain to me in terms of mechanics, because I'm I'm not a uh, a crutching amputee. I yeah. wear a prosthesis pretty much full time. To be quite honest with you, I marvel at someone like yourself is simply because when I was in rehabilitation and I did use crutches, I actually kind of struggled with crutches. Yeah. I don't have a very good um, balance in terms of that. And I've noticed, especially because, of course, I you know I I watch your videos and and I enjoy, I, I enjoy viewing you in that space. Um, your your level of balance is 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 pretty advanced, and what I mean by that is is you can do a lot, uh, even without crutches on one leg. So yeah. I'm always kind of blown away when when I see an amputee like yourself and the way that you move even without a prosthesis, without crutches at all. So in terms of the mechanics of, you know, running around in a prosthetic leg versus transitioning to using crutches and developing your skills as a football, you know, player, um, how hard was that for you? So in a crazy sort of way, I count myself quite lucky really because 
when I used to play football or when I was younger, I was right-footed anyway. So certain mechanics such as passing the ball, um, when someone passes the ball to you and you receive it with your first touch, certain mechanics like that was quite easy to pick up because them skills from when I was younger kind of transferred over. But I totally agree with you that the hardest mechanic for me was transitioning onto crutches. And to an extent, it still is now because I was the same. I I was not a crutch user at all. When I first lost my leg, because I'm below knee, as soon as they gave me a prosthetic leg, I was straight away with prosthetics then. So I never used crutches day to day. And that was one of the things I found most difficult, transitioning into amputee football, picking up being able to use crutches. I know you mentioned about some of my videos were say I'm in the gym on my leg and my crutches, just one leg. Um, that's something that I've picked up quite recently because the team at England have said to me that because I'm playing on crutches, they'd like me to spend a little bit more time on my crutches at home, every day, things like in the gym. When I go to the gym, I used to go on my prosthetic leg and I mm. used to just work out using both my legs so things like squats I would just use both my legs my real leg and my prosthetic leg so it's only recently that I've transitioned into going on to doing squats one-legged deadlifts one-legged that sort of thing but I feel like it's really helping me in the sport of amputee football but even now I'm I'm still learning you know if you'd if you'd watch any of our games you often see me on the floor because certain things like uh, moving at speed on the crutches turning when you're moving backwards or side to side that can be quite difficult on crutches and some people haven't like um, a preconceived idea of amputee football because everyone's on crutches that it's quite slow or you know it's quite a laborious yeah, sport. But... I think that's the thing that probably struck me uh, really surprised me the first time I was viewing video of some of these yeah. matches because it's 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 fucking fast, man. I mean, you yeah. guys are all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, it, it, it is, cause I, you know, of course I've been to just recently, I was at a Chicago Fire um, game at Soldier Field. I mean, there's very, if, if any difference in terms of speed, in terms yeah. of ball movement, um, it's, it, it's a very, very active event. And, I think f from from the viewing perspective, it's it's sort of mind blowing because you're trying to figure out how are they doing it, how are they yeah. doing it, because on the one hand the crutches are just moving all over the place, and you know depending on the varying level of amputee, you know below yeah. knee, above knee, all that stuff there there's that that measuring that goes on of how different players depending on how much residual limb they have they will move differently than each other so yeah. in in which the way they're pivoting or turning or sprinting i mean and 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 i've seen some of your videos i mean you're hauling ass man i mean you are yeah, moving thank you it's like yeah. whoa i mean these guys are going and it's really remarkable to me because for the first time um, as an amputee, I've been an amputee for about six years now. For the very first time, 
I am just starting to jog in my prosthesis. So yeah. the thought of moving as fast as you do without a prosthesis is extraordinary to me. And yeah. I think the thing that a lot of my, let's call them soccer friends, would really appreciate in this conversation, because I'm not really in tune with <laughs> a lot of the rules in traditional soccer, yeah. um, can you help the audience understand in terms of gameplay how some of those differences are not only in in like in your person as a player but also in terms of field play and and how yeah. all that works that would be helpful the main differences between amputee football and regular football is it's played on a slightly smaller pitch the pitch is 60 meters long instead of 100 meters long um it's seven aside instead of 11 aside so it's one goalkeeper and six outfield players every outfield player is a lower limb amputee whether that be below knee through knee above knee they're all single leg amputees and they as i mentioned earlier they play on crutches the goalkeepers have usually got two legs and one arm so they're in a single upper body amputee and there are certain rules for the goalkeeper because they've got two legs. If you imagine the penalty area, they're not allowed out of the area. So they have to stay inside their area at all times. Um, if they have um, a longer residual limb, so if they're missing their arm at the wrist or the elbow, they have to tuck the rest of the residual limb inside the jumper so they can genuinely mm. only use one hand to save the ball. Just like myself because i'm a baloney amputee i have quite a long residual limb if the ball touches my stump it's classed as a handball and a, a free kick or a penalty is given to the other side the ball's not allowed to touch the crutches it's classed as handball if the ball does that and touches the crutches we take kickings instead of throw-ins and the best rule is there's no offside <laughs> but oh, they, they are the main differences okay the the idea that the ball touching the crutch is considered a handball yeah. that i mean that's got to that almost seems especially when you're when you're in that movement state and you're moving yeah. a lot that's got to be really really tricky for you to keep the crutch away from the ball um yeah definitely and some, sometimes it can almost feel a bit unfair when if you know you're so close to the opposition player and mm -hmm. they kick the ball and it hits your crutch you think well i didn't do anything i didn't move but it is classed as a handball wow no that's that's really helpful because i think um there's that differentiation that's important to people that follow the game um to be yeah. able to f fully understand it and understand you know how as a sport, you go about kind of leveling the playing field and making yeah. it fair for everyone so that it's a yeah. fair competition. Um, so yeah, that's that entire component, you know, how you were recruited, the TikTok connection, and then sort of going from someone that generally was in a prosthesis most of their life to now becoming 
what's more referred to as a crutching amputee and having to infuse that into your life a bit more um, just in an effort to become a a better all-around player. Uh, And to me, that is quite an interesting evolution, especially given that you were an amputee for 10 years when you were recruited, correct? Uh, So I've been an amputee for 10 years now, and I was an amputee for eight years when I started playing. So even eight years, I mean, yeah. as an amputee, you're kind of setting your ways as an amputee. Yeah. If 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 I'm entirely honest, I had this opinion, and th- this is only my opinion, you know, no one else's, but um, I wouldn't say I was scared of crutches, but I was a bit like, oh, I don't need crutches, you know, I, mm. I can walk on my prosthetics, or I kind of stayed away from crutches and stuff because... Like I said, I, I felt like I didn't need them, but in a in a mad sort of way, I feel like football has helped me in a massive way away from football because um, it's not very often I do get a sore stump, but when I did get a sore stump in the past, I would sit at home and I wouldn't move. I wouldn't leave the house. I wouldn't do anything. Whereas now I've got the confidence to use crutches. Mm-hmm. If I do get a sore stump, I just carry on with my normal life i'll go out shopping i'll you know i'll i'll do my day-to-day jobs on my crutches whereas that wasn't something that i ever did before so as much as i love football for the fact of playing football amputee football has changed my life in many more ways than just football yeah no it's it's a great point and and for you you know as an athlete played a critical role but these assistive devices these these things that we we employ when we cannot wear a prosthesis. I've been in the same situation, and I'm one of those people that refuses to sit at home and yeah. for life. I, I I just refuse for life to stop. So yeah. I actually became very very good with a knee roller. So nice. I can do just about anything on a knee roller. Um, prepare yeah. a meal, go shopping. Um, and I just got really good at it. And yeah. again, most people that try a knee roller for the first time, and there's a lot of amputees out there that try them, they'll say, you know, it's very painful. It's very painful in the thigh, and it's very painful yeah. in the hip area. Because basically what we're doing, and you're an athlete, this isn't going to come as a surprise to you. Basically what you're doing is you're firing up a whole bunch of muscles that aren't used to being used. Yeah, And yeah. you can... Over time, with moderation, you can generally get used to any device if you're committed to it and you're willing to train up on it. And, you know, I've met amputees that'll say, oh, gosh, I, you know, I, I can't use one of those knee rollers. It just hurts too much. And I'm like, you know what? It hurt for me, too. For the first few months, I was not a happy camper with it. But now... I mean, I could I could literally use a knee roller an entire day if I have to, yeah. and it doesn't bother me. Now, fortunately, I'm in a prosthesis now that's very comfortable, and it, it gives me all the movement and all it allows me to engage in all the activities that I enjoy. But if you take a fall, something happens, um, you just push yourself too hard one day, and suddenly you're you're you swell up a bit. Um, the, these are not the conditions to be jamming your residual limb into a prosthesis. 
because um, you're yeah. just going to be punishing yourself. Not a good idea. Uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit, and I appreciate how you've been transparent about this because I have um, viewed some of your other interviews and uh, some of your other blog uh, posts. Your accident, I want to talk about a little bit, yeah, because that's yeah. a s- significant um, part of your journey as an amputee. And I know you were, um, you know, on a motorbike when you yeah. uh, had a had a pretty bad accident, and it's it seemed like there was not only you know a, a pretty significant trauma, but also, there was some, uh, at least a period of time where, if I'm correct, they were trying to save your limb. Am I right about yeah. that? So yeah. why, don't you, why don't you describe for the audience how, how it was that you became an amputee? So you are correct. As you say, I, I had a motorbike, which I used to commute to work and things like that. And one day I was just out. All, all my friends had motorbikes as well because... Um, I, I don't know what it's like in the US, but for young drivers in the UK, car insurance can be really expensive. So a lot of my friends also had motorbikes because not only did we enjoy motorbikes, but it was a lot cheaper to insure and to keep on the road and things. So I was just out on my motorbike one day and my, my friend was behind me on his motorbike and we went down like a country road, a winding road. and. Um, a car came around the other side and we both just seen each other really late and unfortunately went head on into each other. Um, I hit the front of the car, the windscreen and went flying over the top and I was just lay there like, and my, my friend had just witnessed all this happen in front of him. And, you know, he was really good at the time and he was reassuring me that everything would be okay and stuff. And, you know, the ambulance came and, took me to the hospital and for the first few days while I was in hospital I was I was really ill because my leg was really badly damaged and when they took me to the hospital they only scanned the lower half of my body because of how badly broken my leg was at the time and they missed that my spleen was leaking blood into my stomach so for the first couple of days it, mm. it wasn't just my leg that was the issue I was I was genuinely really ill and it took about three or four days for them to notice this and then they rushed me back in. You know, I, I was still in hospital but was on a normal ward and then they rushed me back in and I just woke up in intensive care and basically I'd I'd broke my wrist, which is now pinned and plated. I broke my left femur, which has got a femoral nail in it and I'd broke my left ankle, which was also pinned and plated. But when they'd uh, wrapped my leg up after the operation, I started to get something called compartment syndrome in the bottom half of my leg. And basically all the muscle was dying in the bottom half of my leg. So what they was doing was is they was cutting away the bit of muscle, wrapping it back up and then checking on it after a couple of days, hoping that it would heal. It's like an open wound, uh, open wound therapy. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. So I had two open wounds down either side of my shin where they was cutting away the muscle. And I think they did that seven or eight times before the, I mean, amputation was always on the cards from the beginning because they have to give you every scenario, but it was about seven or eight times that they tried before it was actually crunch point of, you know, you're going to have to have your leg amputated. So 
So, you know, then uh, the inevitability factor was in play because that was definitely part of what they were considering as a spectrum of options. And I mean, was there, was there ever a moment, um, I'm assuming that you, you got to see the limb in this state, correct? Yeah. I kind of seen it by accident because I didn't want to look at it. And, um, my leg was almost in a tray at the bottom of the bed and Mm. they'd cover it up with a blanket because I, I said to him that, you know, I'd been told how badly damaged my leg was, but I didn't want to look at it. So every time that they came to look at it, um, we have these TVs in UK hospitals and they're like on a big swinging arm and they come over the bed. So every time they'd come in and check my leg, I'd move the TV and put it in front of my face so that I couldn't see it because mm. I knew how bad it was, but, I, you know, I, I didn't really want to accept it. So... I didn't look and then it was only one day that a nurse came in and it was a new nurse that I hadn't seen before and she took the the cover off before I had a chance to put the TV there and that was the first time I'd seen it and this this must have been three or four weeks after the mm. accident so and and when you when you look down you know I, I I've had this moment too you know as an amputee when you when I still had my limb and you look down and you say, um, for me, it was this like, eh, this is, this is over. Like, this has got to go. Uh, did you ever have that feeling of, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go to the next phase of this, which is let's do the amputation and, and I can start rebuilding my life. Or were you, did you feel like you were still in a place of, gosh, I hope they can figure this out somehow. When I seen the leg, I was still in a space where I was hoping that, you know, something could happen. I don't know what I wanted to happen, but I was still in a position where I was thinking, I hope they can fix this. But there was a couple of times throughout my stay in hospital, because even though they tried to save my leg, I never left hospital. I was I was in hospital for two months, so they kept coming round and they'd have like a little pin and they'd prick me in the foot and go, can you feel that? Can you feel that? And I'd be like, yeah. Oh no, I can't. And I'd, I'd kind of be trying to convince myself that I could feel it and I couldn't feel it at all. And it was one day the, the realization moment that you just spoke of came to me when the, um, the physiotherapists came round and they asked me to sit up at the edge of the bed and, They helped me to sit up and then they got a standing aid and they put it at the side of the bed and they asked me to stand up and they kept saying to me, don't put pressure on your foot, don't put pressure on your foot, don't put your foot on the floor. And I couldn't feel a thing. And then they just went to me, your foot's on the floor, lift your foot up. And then it was at that point where I realised that if I can't feel this thing now for five weeks after the accident, then... You know that's what that's when my hope kind of left. But in a in a in a mad sort of way, it was I'd I'd lost all hope of my leg being saved. But I was opened up to the the world of amputation by um, a guy from my hometown. His name's Andy Reid, and he uh, stepped on an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan. He was in the military, mm. 
and he, he stepped on this explosive device and he blew both his legs and his right arm off. And it was when he came to the hospital to see me that even though I've, I'd lost all hope of my leg ever being saved, I looked at this guy with one below knee prosthetic and above knee prosthetic and an arm missing at the elbow. And in, in, in a really great way, I looked at him and I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And from then, from then on out, I had this positive mindset. Yeah, I've met a few uh, quad amputees, and the takeaway for me is always, man, I got nothing to complain about. Because yeah, that was these the are, exact, yeah. These are remarkable people. Yeah. That, you know, they lose the, the function of all their limbs, and yeah. I see them thriving and doing things that um, I should be doing. And I think, okay, uh, you really need to take inventory here and realize how fortunate you are. And yeah. I think that's an important, uh, very important perspective to have. Do you, do you feel like in some ways, you know, uh, football has sort of redefined you as an amputee? It's sort of taken you to this whole other sort of uh, identity as an amputee, as, as what maybe, you know, you were considered this disabled person and now you're uh, doing some things that um, we can all be inspired by. How does that make you feel? I do. I do because although I've been positive from the beginning, because as I said, you know, it's it's been the most difficult time in my life, but I've always had this positive attitude towards it. And, you know, I always have this feeling that although we have bad days as amputees, everyone has bad days anyway, do you know what I mean? So it's one of them things where I was so thankful and classed myself lucky to just be alive that I kind of tried my best to get on with it sort of thing. And, you know, I feel like football, I, I always say to everyone that I wish I'd have found amputee football much sooner because I'm at, I'm at the age now where I, I know I'm not old, I'm I'm 30 now, but I look at some of the younger lads who are. <laughs> I'm 19, sorry, I laugh. I, I laugh only because I'm like, God, I wish I was thirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I look at some of the young lads who are like twenty years old, twenty one, and I, yeah. I, I think of the opportunities that they're going to get through amputee football. Do you know what I mean? And I think I wish I'd have started this sooner, but I, I do feel like it's changed me. I feel like it's given me a different outlook on life. It's given me something to focus on, you know, and. It's given me something, it, it's it's made me healthier. As I mentioned about using crutches when I have a sore stump, it's put my mental health in a better situation, do you know what I mean? So there's there's many things that amputee football has done for me that, you know, I, I couldn't do it justice by sitting here and telling you because it really has changed my life. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but you do not look 30, by the way. I think the first time I saw a video of you, I'm like, well, how old is this guy? Like 18, 19 years old? Yeah. You have a very, very youthful uh, look to you. Um, you know, I, don't, I, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it sometimes, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> I, I have a lot of hair envy when I look at you. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, that's, you know, something that I hear very often in this community in terms of they kind of chugging along in their lives, developing, um, 
you know, adulthood and their families and their careers. And then this this thing happens that completely knocks them yeah. off their orbit. And they go into this very, very kind of redefinition phase of their life. And they start to do things and set goals and get out of, let's say, those comfortable spaces that they once were in. And they find that limb loss and limb differences is sort of the fuel that takes them yeah. to that next level, that takes them to a place that they never thought they could be. And before I was an amputee, I was uh, very driven from a career standpoint. And after becoming an amputee, I feel like I do a lot more work in taking care of myself, loving yeah. myself in a way and nurturing myself in a way that I've never done before. And life is tends to be about um, these second chances. And when when we when we have something, you know, like this opportunity that was presented to you, you know, to become part of this league and to become part of something that is actually bigger than yourself. Uh, yeah. You know, because as amputees, we can get kind of hyper-focused, you know, on our yeah. limb, on our limb. I'm an amputee. I lost my limb. I don't have a leg. It's like everything is kind of just, just kind of, you know, narrows down into this, this sort of hyper-focus on limb loss. <clears throat> but now you being this amputee footballer and part of something much bigger is yeah. it, it's I, I can't imagine the the joy that you get from being part of that. And you know, when I think about this as a sport, I want to get your perspective on where would you like to see this go? Because certainly the reaction to this, anytime I show someone footage, like I showed my girlfriend, uh, footage from one of your matches. I mean, her eyes lit up. Yeah. People are just kind of blown away by this sport. So there, yeah. you know, even from the human perspective, there's this wow, this fascination with what these athletes are able to do. Where do you want to see this go? Because, correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is not a, a Paralympic uh, event yet, is no. it? No, okay. it's not. It, it's not a Paralympic sport at the moment. And okay. to be honest, I, I, I can't speak for amputee football around the world, but in England, it's a, a very small circle, really. There's, you know, every player has a job, a full-time job, or the younger lads are in higher education at university and stuff. And, you know, the England Amputee Football Association is a charity-based association. And you know, we we are run solely off sponsorships and fundraising and that sort of thing. So, you know, um, contrary to what some people may think around the world, because I get I get messages from amputees all around the world saying, "Can I come and play for your amputee football team?" And I, I say to him, "If you can get to England and provide for yourself, then yeah, you're more than welcome to come and play." But you know, just because we're associated with these professional clubs, we are effectively the charity side of that club. So the Premier League in England, which is the 
the highest league of football in England, we have teams like us, Everton. We have teams like Arsenal, Chelsea. But we are the community side of them, you know. So, you know, they don't, as grateful as we are for them giving us the opportunity to enter these leagues and stuff, you know, we, we're still fundraising our own positions, do you know what I mean? So I'd like to see, I don't know how much you know about women's football, but women's football in England has really took off. And especially since the England women last year, they won the European Championships and mm. it's absolutely took off and the the selling out stadiums and everything. And, you know, whilst amputee football is a long way away from selling out stadiums, I'd like to see it take a similar trajectory to women's football. And that's why I try and post as much as I can and try and raise as much awareness as I can, because I don't think in my playing time that I will ever be paid a wage for playing football. But when I look at some of the younger guys and not not just the young guys who I play with now, the 19, 20-year-olds, when I look at the eight-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, the young teenagers, because England has a junior team as well, so we interact with them a lot. And when I look at them, I'd like to think that when they're my age, you know, they'll be playing on TV and, you know, in stadiums and, you know, being paid for playing the sport they love because it it takes a lot out. It's, It's really difficult to not only be a disabled athlete, but it's really difficult to be a disabled athlete and work a job at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I would like to see it take a similar trajectory to women's football, if I'm honest. And it, it, it really, you know, it's a good point because it really shows how passionate you guys are about your yeah. sport, that you would um, do it in a way that isn't necessarily monetized. That you have to yeah, work. Yeah, well, it's like it, it's like you've just said about being part of something bigger than yourself. And I feel like when I lost my leg, I tried everything I could to get back to the Liam who I was before. I went back to physical jobs, working on building sites, and I, I was very career driven at that point, sort of thing. Whereas I've reached a point now where now I play an amputee football. Although that's not my job, I don't get paid for amputee football. I put my everything into it because, as you say, I've got this opportunity now to be part of something that, that's bigger than myself. And I always say to my friends and family, you know, people people will try and convince me to look for a different career or change my job I've got now for another job. And I always say to them that when, when I'm 40, I'll be able to change job if I want but I won't, I won't be able to go and play for England in the World Cup, do you know what I mean? So I've got to almost use this time I've got now wisely. Yep, yep. No, it's it makes total sense. And probably the, uh, you know, the vibration and the charge that you get from participating on that level, uh, it has to feel like a dream come true. And yeah, I'm sure there's times especially you... When... No, I'm sure there's times the you look court. down and think, you know, I, I, I can't believe I'm doing this right now and I'm missing a yeah. limb doing it. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it's got to be just a, a, an amazing feeling for you. And 
how did how does your how does your partner feel about this evolution of sorts and watching you develop in the sport and all of that that goes with it? So I don't want to say she's not really bothered because she's supportive and I've been so lucky to have a partner that supports me in anything that I do. But because she's not a big sports fan, she supports me because she knows it's what I love doing. Do you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. genuinely, my biggest fan is my eight-year-old son. Like, he, Mm. he loves it. You know, he's... He he looks he looks at some of my friends at football like other kids look at Ronaldo and Messi. Do you know what I mean? So to to get that support from my son, I just look at him and I think, you know, how how proud he is of me, sort of thing. So yeah, like I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't say she's not bothered, but she's just not a big sports fan. But she she a hundred percent backs me in anything I choose to do. And I, w- I would think seeing you um, thriving and happy is uh, the huge payoff, even if you're not necessarily into sports, let's say, uh, having a partner who um, can come to the relationship in a really, really good, mindful mindful way, um, having all the things that they need to uh, be happy. And um, that in itself is a huge component, I believe, in relationship because yeah. You know, even even in my own, you know, in my own situation, uh, you know, having a partner in my life and, you know, she encourages me to do the things that bring me happiness. And very yeah. often those things do not involve her at all. Uh, yeah. But she very much wants me to pursue those passions because when I circle back to her, <laughs> I'm a much happier yeah. person. Yeah, you know? I can a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with that, and we have had that same conversation where it was difficult for her to come to terms with it at the beginning because we spend a lot of time away from home, so there can be like two weekends a month where it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We are training with the England national team, and for eight, nine years before I started football we spent every day together, do you know what I mean? So it was difficult sure. to come to terms with that separation at the beginning, especially things like the World Cup where we was away for two weeks, do you know what I mean? But she's, she said the exact same thing. It's important for us at England, in the USA, the other national teams around the world, we are competing at the elite level and it is very important that we try our best to win. But it's important for our mental health as well, do you know what I mean? And it's important for just our well-being that we have something to focus on sort of thing. And I think that's really good advice for the amputee community in general. Find yeah. things that make you happy. Find things 100%. that, yeah, that give you a positive outlook, engage life. And don't be don't be afraid to get uncomfortable because... Yeah. When I consider someone like yourself who, you know, knew knew football as a discipline in one regard and then was given an opportunity to go into a, a much more uncomfortable space with the yeah, sport. Yeah, I was, I was very, very uncomfortable on crutches at first, whereas now it's... I, yep. I don't think I'd play football with my limb on again, you know, because as you mentioned at the beginning about getting a sore stump doing sports and stuff 
it's a bit of a relief now to take my prosthetic off sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I've spoke to other amputees because, as I mentioned about in England, it being quite a small circle, we often try and recruit other amputees the same way I got recruited, you know, because especially at club level, everybody's welcome. Every amputee is welcome, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time. We try and encourage anyone to come and try amputee football. It's only at the elite level for the national teams that it gets serious, you know what I mean? So I know there's a lot of listeners that are going to discover you for the first time through this podcast. I know you've got a shit ton of followers already, but at the same time, I know people are going to want to follow you now. What 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 would you say is the easiest way to follow uh, Liam Burbridge right now? The probably the best way to follow me is on TikTok and Instagram, and my handle is it's Liam Burbs at the same on both accounts because, as I mentioned, I uh, you know a lot of my story is football based at the minute, but that's not my whole personality, and that's not the point I'm trying to get across. I I enjoy football. You might enjoy something else. Next person might enjoy something else. I'm just trying to say to people that if there's something you enjoy, don't let something stop you from doing it because in the same regard that I said, I don't want to look back when I'm 40 and 50 and think, well, I had this opportunity, but I didn't quite do it. I don't want other people to do that either. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure yourself, Richard, you know, we meet a lot of amputees who aren't so positive about the situation and stuff. So I feel like that because I am positive and I'm genuinely positive, I feel like I'm almost sticking up for everyone else sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I'm I'm just trying to bring awareness to not only amputee football as a sport, but to the, the disabled community in general sort of thing. Well, I think the I think the positivity themes are critical in our community. I I really um am a big advocate for stories like yours. You know, you mentioned um that you had uh uh met Ben Lovell as well. Yeah. Um yeah. The, these are people that have even come under criticism for their positivity. Yeah. And I I push back pretty hard on that, and you know, you, you if if you're if you're the kind of person that just doesn't want to hear about it, turn the channel. No one's forcing yeah. you to be yeah. inspired. No one is forcing you to um, walk away from your self doubt or your self pity. Um, if you if that's the space you're comfortable in, and that's what you're working through right now. Okay, that's fine. But don't tear people down that are trying to get positive energy out into the space. Um, We all struggle. We all have our down days. We all have our moments of weakness. But generally speaking, for us to thrive as a community and for us to reach our goals as a community, and when I say that, I mean everybody. We're not just talking about amputee football right now. We're talking about all facets of being an amputee, all fitness levels of being an amputee, all age groups of being an amputee. We want to see people thrive. And 
if getting putting on your prosthesis and walking across the room today was your goal and you achieved it, that is fantastic. It's fantastic totally that you did that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Liam can charge down the field like no one's business because I've seen it myself. <laughs> and I think, wow, there's something I can't do. But that doesn't mean that your positive energy should not give me the inspiration to reach out to you, to pursue you, to get you on a podcast, to share your energy with an audience that I think is going to really, really enjoy Um you know, your kind words and your peaceful demeanor and who you are as a person. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by what you've done with your life. And my hope is that this will continue to grow and your particular community, your niche, let's call it, will continue to thrive. And um, I think in closing, um, I, I want to ask you, uh, you know, what, what would be the advice that you would give to someone that, uh, let's say, a young person that has found out that they're um, going to become an amputee? What do you think you'd say to them? Um, you put me on the spot a little bit, but I would I say, we, we, we say it a lot in football, we say, trust the process. And we mean that from a footballing term. We mean like trust what your coaches are telling you, trust your training that you have to do and stuff. But I feel like that it can apply to life as well. You know, if you trust the process, like you've just mentioned, set yourself small little goals. If your goal was to cross the living room, then, you know, great, really great. And I just feel like that everyone can have bad days and I'm not going to sit here and say, it's all sunshines and rainbows because we know it's not. And I know you've just said about me galloping down a field, but it took me a long time to get to this point. And there was a point at the beginning where I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I could hardly move at all. Do you know what I mean? But I trusted the process and I put me everything into it. And I feel like it probably sounds very cliche, but you get out of something, what you put into it sort of thing. So that's probably the biggest thing I would say. Trust the process. Try and keep a positive outlook. I know it's not easy. I know it's easier said than done because even now I'm, I'm, I'm sat here telling you how well I'm doing and stuff, but we all know that as an amputee, every day can be different. I could wake up tomorrow and it'd be completely different, but just put, trust the process. And if 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 you enjoy something, just go for it. Yeah, I think that's very, very wise words coming from Liam Burbridge. That's going to wrap it up for us today. I want to thank you for being here. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm glad that we we hung in there and we kept communicating and we got you on the show. Uh, again, Liam Burbridge, look him up on TikTok, look him up on Instagram. I'm Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. I want to wish everyone health and happiness, and we'll see you next time.